Hey everyone, you are listening to Vocalo. I'm Jesse Menendez, my in-studio guests, great friends of the station and the show and of myself. Alex and Francis White, collectively known as Garage Rock Duel, based out of Chicago, Illinois, White Mystery. Hello again. Howdy. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Two of my favorite people, some of the most talented people that I've ever heard from right here on the north side of Chicago. And we've grown together a lot over the years. You've been covering our albums annually. We did South by Southwest together. It really has been a growing process, not for me necessarily, but to hear you guys and the music that you've come up with since I started listening to the band. Do you find that the two of you are different as musicians, as people, since maybe the first White Mystery release, considering we're eight albums in now? Absolutely. You know, I say when I listen back to those first and second albums, uh, when Jill played something off of Blood and Venom, it's almost like a primitive uh, cave painting to listen back to those compared to where White Mystery is now eight albums, almost nine years as a band, so much more sophisticated with production. So we've really come a long way also with the songwriting, too. Well, that was the other thing I was going to ask, because within the last few albums, we've seen your role in the band grow in terms of writing and lending your vocals. Was that a natural progression, or did you just find that you were busting at the seams with ideas and wanting to be expressive a little more than you had been? Alex always encouraged me very much to sing those first few albums. There's some songs that I attempt to sing on, and that was definitely with Alex's encouragement, and she uh, never really let up, and then I guess it sort of blossomed into my own little uh, thing. You know, and what you'll hear on the new album, too, is that even songs that I'm singing, Francis has written the lyrics to, yeah. quite a few songs. So, um, you know, you hear his vocals, but you also hear his words a lot more. And I, we've talked about that before with some of the last releases. What's it been like interpreting somebody else's writings and then putting your own stamp on them? It's really fun singing Francis's lyrics because they're so much more uh, sophisticated than my own. So you know the difference between an Alex song and a Francis song because mine are chants. When you're thinking about lyrics for White Mystery songs, are you thinking about Alex's voice or do you imagine yourself saying these words and phrases? It depends. Um, there's times where I know Alex would make this sound better than it sounds in my head because she's uh, such a wonderful singer and she has such a great voice. And then there's other times where um, I know I can make something flow for myself in a way in a cadence that feels comfortable. You said listening back to some of those early recordings is like a cave painting, very mm -hmm. primitive. Where do you think the sound is now, and what do you think you two have done with the limited amount of instruments that show up on these records? Uh, well, I, I guess where we are now would be the, the wing of the Art Institute, where it's all the early American colonial uh, paintings. So they're still distorted. Um, they resemble people. They have funky outfits on, um, but they're not quite Botticellis yet. <laughs> I think we have a ways to go. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like the last few releases have been a little more explicit in, in the messages that you were trying to get across going back to some of the earlier stuff. Alex, I know you were saying you were more of more interested in in, in writing in chants, you know, little phrases here and there. And mm -hmm. I felt like in the last few messages, I've personally gotten more of an idea of 
what you're about, what your politics are. And then here again, I think I'm hearing some of those things a little more explicitly. Even if I get it wrong in the phrasing, I feel like I'm being told something. Why do you feel Mm -hmm. that now is the time where you're probably being a little more blunt with your audience? Well, I think uh, the world is kind of uh, going to hell in a handbasket right now, and it's very disturbing to us as city of Chicagoans who believe in an integrated world, and we love the ethnic diversity of our neighborhood, and it's hard to have like a president and a leader who doesn't believe in that, Um, because I feel like the American tradition that we come from is like embracing diversity. Immigrants. Yep, our family, you know, came on the boat. Like our a lot neighbors, of other our neighbors are uh, such incredible people. Saw some guy, Kevin, came from Vietnam. His whole family, all of his friends did. And on Fourth of July, they're just uh, they're all wearing red, white, and blue and waving flags, and they're just so happy to be here. Even though Trump is president and he's kind of a jagbag, but they're just proud to be Americans and they're proud to be here. And that sort of patriotism from somebody that can move to this country not knowing the language whatsoever, having not even having two pennies to scrape together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ability of this country to offer a, uh, a foundation for someone to learn the language and save some money and get educated and raise a family and become a property owner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been patriots of this country for a long time, but we always avoided really speaking politically for a number of reasons. Um, Mostly the MC5 was like a lesson for us where uh, they opened their mouths back in the day. I forget exactly what happened. Yeah. They were super political band and it got away from, yeah, yeah, they were at the, they were there and they said in documentary, we saw at one point it got way less about the music they were playing and more the politics that they were pushing. And we always wanted to make sure that we're a rock and roll band first, musicians first, and that we were always trying to spread a musical message, not just a political agenda. But now it almost feels like our back's against the wall. And we have to say something because there's just Nazi fascists coming out of the woodwork Mm -hmm. and uh, trying to take this country over. So now we have to put our foot down and condemn fascism and make sure everyone knows that you know, it's not a correct way of living in modern society. Yeah, especially before the ish really hits the fan. You know, it's um, who knows what could happen if you allow that to continue. If you tolerate it. Yeah. But it, drawing the line between tolerance and violence, it's, uh, it's a really tricky thing. I don't even know uh, the appropriate methods of dealing with these situations nowadays. I'm not we've, sure. We've been discussing it because, you know, the thing is, is like we've been a band. We've traveled the world seen a lot of stuff we've met a lot of people i think that like one one thought that i'm having fran though is like to actually like look back at history and see how people have dealt with it because i know that during world war ii there's a great pretty damn violent there's you know there's a lot of actors and directors who got together and started you know like an anti-nazi guild where they're like you know we as community leaders and cultural people while we're movie makers, it is important for us to actually, like, we have the ability to communicate with the mass audience. So definitely this new album, like, we're trying to, like, to get that out there. How do you feel about rock and roll and its ability to be that vehicle? I mean, it's it's an age-old tradition, right? Like, you look back at some of the best songs of the 60s and they're protesting Vietnam, you know? I think of... Uh, Buffalo Springfield, who I just love, where it's like, something's happening here, and what it is ain't exactly clear. It's so good, so powerful, you know? And um, 
rock and roll is an American tradition also. You know, we we made that here, whatever the Brits may say. <laughs> but um, it's it's just such a great way to communicate with people. And when we toured Japan, which was so amazing, um, you know, and there's a language barrier, you're able to communicate with people through your music. Absolutely. Where it's like hand gestures and like, you know, rock and roll. Hey, cool, rock and roll. It's, it's an international language. And we've learned that traveling and touring. protest songs, contemporary ones that are coming out right now, and he mm-hmm. has the two of you on, and he asks you, for those who may be unfamiliar with White Mystery, certainly more of their political-leaning songs, what would be the song that symbolizes for the two of you the song where you're really, as Francis says, putting your foot down and telling people that things are not okay? I'm not sure if we've made that song yet. Um, a lot of the songs that I've written up until this point have mostly been expressing emotions and feelings and not necessarily political viewpoints, even though there's probably some subtle perspective tied in there. But at this point, I feel like we just need to write a, some peace and love songs. Sure. But the personal is political. So even that sentiment that goes into one of those songs is that, is it not? I think, I mean, there was actually a white mystery song that came to mind immediately uh, to speak to that question. Um, it was the first time that Francis put something in a song that I thought was very dangerous and very political and almost even asked you to censor it out, but I realized it was so important to say your monologue in Double Dragon, where it's like the meat markets. Evil men make money off meat markets by murdering musicians. Yeah. It's it's, like music politics. Well, it's, but it is, you know, like that's, that's part of the machine and like corporate power and greed talking heads yeah you know like i that that song where i was just like ooh, that is so dangerous to say you know what i mean where it's like i'm sure i'm on the business side and i'm on the marketing side of the band where i'm trying to get us gigs and i'm trying to get us press and i'm thinking wow if francis says that evil men make money um you know on what is it fran on meat markets murdering musicians love the alliteration by the way yeah something to that effect i was like are we gonna get booked are we gonna get you know, finally booked at Lollapalooza. Well, it turns out it doesn't really matter because you can be great and wildly popular, but if you're not a part of that machine, you know, it's like it's... You're going to be a constant outsider even though you live in the city your whole life. Yeah. Is it intentional to be taking more risks as you grow closer toward the 10-year mark? Mm Mm-hmm. Ten years symbolizing what may possibly be the end of White Mystery. I, by the way, I don't know where you're at with that either. <laughs> but does it make more sense to take some of those risks closer to that quote-unquote deadline? 
Yeah, just yes. so you don't have any regrets, we've played it so straight up until this point because we've been running it like a small business, and that was like a vision Alex had for it. it was like a super straight, like straight-laced mm-hmm. sort of image. Squeaky clean. Squeaky clean, which I never, ever really agreed with and tried to subvert that to the best of my abilities, And even though I'm the younger sibling. But at this point, it's like, well, do you really want to have regrets for the rest of your life where you didn't take the opportunity to mm-hmm. say something when you had it? And um, also just because otherwise you're going to get bored. Yeah. It's like you got to keep things interesting for yourself. It's like I'm only going to say something if I really feel like saying it. Yeah, and I think it's been like a real evolution, though, where we like started somewhere and now we've, you know, gotten to this point. And we've also like I feel like gotten to a juncture in our creative uh, careers that our audience craves that. You know, we've built an audience, and if I think if we came right out of the hatch with, you know, FYMS, it might have different than, than doing it now to very willing ears and a much larger audience. Well, that, audience. and we also know what we want to talk about now as opposed to then where we probably would have just spewed a bunch of angsty stuff that would have not stood around as long as a mature mm-hmm. uh, perspective. We started when we were 20 and 22, and now we're 30 and 32. So like you just it's amazing. Dev- yeah, it is. So it's like you really develop your voice too. Sure. And um and also like as you accumulate experiences like the Katamari, you know, where like we we're like those Katamari rolling around the world and everything we see and experience gets like in- integrated into our DNA and it really does uh you know develop your voice, your creative voice. I like that. You know what's got to happen, right? Got to have kids, adopt them, however it is you get your hands on them. And then they need to be baby blues. Yay! And then eventually they need to be white mystery, the next generation. The cousins. Yeah. The first cousins. Mm-hmm. I want to have kids, definitely. The okay. album is fantastic. It's great to speak with you as always, Alex. <laughs> made my sister cry. <laughs> now she's crying. She has a long day. She has so much stuff to do. After this. Oh, man. We love you, Jesse. And thank you for really digging into what it means to be a musician and what we do creatively. We're grateful for your for your service. The, the content is there if I didn't ask the questions. I could do.